Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I had a guest with me on the line. Before we get to her, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Mudgear. Best obstacle course race socks in the business. Best compression shorts. They've got car seat covers. They've got jerseys. They've got t-shirts, lifestyle t-shirts, a whole bunch of stuff. Go over and check them out. Uh, if you're not racing in Mudgear, I, honestly, at this point, I'm not even sure, not even sure what you're doing here uh but if you want a discount code there's a 20 percent off code ultra ocr man is my code you use that and get a discount all right let's jump into today's guest because i'm super excited got a lot of history on the podcast i have a friend kioranda rondo pretty Did good I... yeah <laughs> i got it okay um so friend uh read a little bit of like her her professional bio here related to ocr so started running ocr in uh 2013 so she's one of the old school people here um, well, as OCR is kind of quickly gaining traction, she launched her own site in 2014, Mud Is My Makeup. Um, she's one of the, I'd say, the largest content producers or you know most well-versed content producers in OCR, right? So it was written for stuff like OCR Europe, Mud Run Guide, Mudstickle, Obstacle Race Magazine, Obstacle Mud Runner Magazine. Currently works as at OCRWC as the host of the OCRWC podcast. Lead of the world OCR rankings and managing OCRWC social media, as well as Spartan Race and the OCR Report, providing media coverage of European and U.S. races. Um, yeah, that's kind of a, a quick rundown of some of the what she's, some of her history in the sport. So, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, yeah, we've met a couple times uh, at mm-hmm. OCRWC, and I've kind of known you again from just from OCRWC stuff. And Mud Run Guide is basically. For largely was largely defunct at this point, right? Like no one's really producing new content for them. Mm. And I saw an old article written by Charity Fick, who actually passed away this year, uh, unfortunately, mm. um, with you in the Ghost Squad. And I didn't <laughs> like. I had seen the article. I had heard of the Ghost Squad. I had met you, but like I never drew all the lines into a single thing. And I was like, Oh my, she's been around forever. <laughs> How did I not put this together? So I was like, oh, I need to get her on the podcast. She's got a ton of history. She's been involved for so long. Like, I need to start picking her brain. So, do you know what? You're, it's not uncommon that that happens. I've had my fingers in quite a few different pies, and my face doesn't often get involved in things. I do a lot of writing, I do a lot of stuff online. Go squad for anyone who is interested google them we're, we're good fun but we were fully painted up in in yep. stupid ridiculous costumes so i wasn't recognizable in that way and it's only more with doing the podcast that then people will recognize my voice and be like hey you're so and so but they won't tie in the other things but i quite like it because it's kind of flying under the radar a bit but you know keeping my fingers in the pies and 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 getting some good media insights but yeah, yeah. i'm not i'm not pushing myself as a as a big personality in any way I love it. Yes. So super fun. So I, w- I want to talk about um, a little bit about Ghost Squad, a little bit about early mm-hmm. days of OCR, a little bit about like OCR in Europe, right? Because we don't we don't have that many Europeans on my podcast. And mm-hmm. then we'll kind of finish off the episode with talking about OCRWC, you know, what's changed, what's stayed the same and, uh, you know, kind of any kind of insight you can share for us for the race, which is coming up in about 30 days from now. 30 days. So let's let's jump way back in the time machine let's jump back to 2013 uh tell me about like getting involved in the sport and um you know go squad and uh kind of launching your own brand at the at the early days there all right so i think coming up in about four days exactly is my 10-year spot anniversary 
and I decided I OCR was always going to be the kind of thing that I loved if I knew it existed um I kind of started hearing about it earlier than 2013 but I only heard about Tough Mudder and I was like I cannot run that distance are you crazy I'm not doing that kind of distance that's insane yeah and then it was actually my brother-in-law suggested hey there's this other brand Spartan that do 5k and I was like perfect I can do 5k that's easy and you know it's kind of the classic journey I was like oh I'm doing a Spartan race what am I going to do this is really tough started training kind of I'd always been fit and healthy and done lots of sport as a child but kind of as an adult the training had dropped off it's really nice to have that goal and then I did it um me my partner at the time and uh his brother-in-law and it was so much fun we ran it was back in the day when elite wave just was just open so we ran elite wave men and women together it was really good fun I mean there were times that I hated it you think it's a it was a sprint it took like an hour but it felt so so difficult but I remember and I'm I am gonna be pushing that picture out on like I think it's the 8th or the 13th of September I'm need to check of that fi- first fire jump you know wearing my gloves you the really <laughs> poor underwear that just didn't help anything the, the really bad outfit but just how much fun it was and I was like I've got to do this again I have to do it again and at that point there weren't many races in the UK so I think that was the Yorkshire Spartan Sprint in the September and I think there was one in London like a month or two later and I was like oh it's too soon I can't be ready for that by then it's just too much so we waited till the next year and did a trifecta and it was just it was just that was it that was it um 20 uh 2014 things kind of started kicking off and I just started to get really really into it Mudstacle were a really good media resource in the UK there was the classic um athletes like Thomas Blanc John Alban and I loved watching all the videos. I loved seeing what's going on. I'm one of those people that likes to have information about stuff before they do it. And mm. I just couldn't find enough. And I was like, if I'm a newbie to this, I want to know more. So I started doing the classic, again, 2013 style race reviews. Go to a race, write about it. How many toilets were there? What was the course like? What you... And kind of my goal was always to encourage the average athlete. And that's always how I've seen myself. I've had times where I've been fitter. I've had a few podiums, but nothing to talk about but I'm just always considering myself to be very very average and I loved that someone like me that didn't have time to to train massively who worked a lot was able to take part in these things and really wanted to encourage others to do it so I started writing Mud is My Makeup which was kind of female focused but not necessarily 100% Mm -hmm. and kind of from there because the uh, pond was so small there were so many opportunities to kind of get involved with other brands and creating content with other people, trying out all the races. And, you know, we had like 2014, 2015 was the peak in the UK. You could race every weekend. You had multiple options of races. It it was so good and it was so busy. And it was just, it just kind of took over my life very quickly from there. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) 2014, you say you think 2014 was the peak for the UK? Is that? I'm trying to, you know what, it feels so long ago. I'm trying to think, twenty, maybe 2015. Okay. Um, I was just, it's, it, that was earlier than I was expecting. But you guys also had Tough Guy, um, well, which yes, had, we had been around it. for, yeah, at that point, mm-hmm. I mean, 20 years. Uh, that, at that, that point, point so it was 1987 Tough Guy started. Yeah. So I'm not great at maths, but, you know, a long time. Yeah. <laughs> 25 almost, years. Almost, yeah. Yeah. So... Where am I going? Oh, so many questions. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about your involvement with Tough Guy. Like, have, did you, have you done that race multiple times, um, et cetera? So 
community was a really big thing back in the day um which was one of the reasons why brands like OCRWC did so well and you know people had teams and people loved to even if they were not pro athlete teams they were just groups of people and the OCR community was really the driver behind a lot of the enjoyment and there was a lot of chat about this event called tough guy and a team that I joined which was called raw used to would go to tough guy every year as a big group they were from the south coast i'm kind of the northwest of the uk i mean we're probably smaller than the smallest states in the state so it doesn't really mean anything but in the uk it's quite a distance and tough guy is kind of in the midlands so a couple of hours from me so it's quite a big journey for people on the south coast but they'd all go um and, and take on this event i remember writing an article about it and like the feelings that i had on the day because there was somebody there, I think I said Kim had a score to settle. I think maybe she'd been she'd lost consciousness the year before. You know, there was there was lots of lots of people had lots of stories. And and the talk about this event was it's not an OCR, you know, it's not a Spartan race. It's not a tough mudder. It's not it is a beast unto itself. And it's the original race. I, I highly recommend anyone who's never heard of Tough Guy wants to know more about it, go onto YouTube and there's a video i want to say it's called the legacy of mr mouse or the legend of mr mouse and it's just like three minutes that gives you an incredible feel of what it's like so i heard about this event and i obviously have you know a bit of an ego in terms of like i want to take stuff on like a lot of people who who do this sport and, <laughs> and, and i wanted most to try of the sport it. describe yeah. most of the sport yeah yeah i, okay. I really wanted to try it and so we kind of all set out you know we stayed in a hotel together with this whole big community thing the kit we were testing kit for weeks the the event historically happened on the last weekend of january which is cold in the uk last winter we got down to minus 10 degrees centigrade with lots Ooh. of snow and ice so like we we it's it can be very very cold so we you know we were testing kit over christmas going into the rivers getting soaking wet like really pushing it for somebody especially who had only just started and and then we did the event and it is without a doubt sod the death race it is the it is the most devious devilish dastardly event out there it's it's it's, it was it no longer exists it was run by a gentleman called mr mouse billy wilson and he just he just put you through hell and back absolutely through hell and back it doesn't sound that insane but it was it started off with like a 15 kilometer trail run so you started off with a run with a few obstacles thrown in, you know, hurdles, there were some hill repeats. And then after that, you got to an area called the Killing Fields. It was all very war inspired and war related. Mm-hmm. And that was like a two kilometer loop. And when I say loop, I mean loop after loop after loop. It went round. It was a maze. You went over, under. You never knew where you were and how far you were from the end. You had no idea what was going on. There are people playing bagpipes. There's fire pits. Like it is the the hugest sensory overload ever. There's obstacles that are so high that if you have fear of heights, you know you really you you're gonna cramp your pants. And you, your hands are so numb because it's so cold that you can barely grab onto anything. Electricity. He's the guy who started with the electricity. It's just an absolute assault of every single fear or worry you could ever have as long as well as being uh really difficult physically but it's a mental thing tough guy is a mental thing i'll mm. see if i can find you a picture of one of the obstacles which um we all call lollipop heads i don't know what the official term is but they're just dunks under um wooden beams in a very very cold pool of water and i don't know why i was so scared of them but i couldn't go through them and i didn't go through them 
and I'm, I'm practically crying going up to them and I'm, you know, I'm not a wuss, but it was just so cold. Yeah. And one of the, one of the difficult things about the event, which people have found, you know, there have been people from the States that have come over uh, to try it out is that it's so difficult to dress for because you can't wear a wetsuit if you're running 15 kilometers because you're going to, and it has happened. Yeah. You're going to overheat. People have overheated. But when you're moving through two to three kilometers of obstacles through freezing cold water in and out, and you are, they normally say it takes about as long to do the killing fields as it takes to do the run. Oh, so wow. you can imagine how slowly you're moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. So um, now, now, that, now that you've been around the OCR scene for a while, um, if you could, if we could transport that race to present day, do you think it would still be that tough? Like now that you've gotten more experience or is yes. it really? Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing like tough guy. So I don't, do you know this, you know where Tough Mudder came from, right? Yes. Yeah. So Tough Mudder was literally stolen from Tough Guy, which was one of the reasons I historically never took part in Tough Mudder. And now it's part of the Spartan brand. I'm okay with it. And I love it. And I think it's a really fun event. But there were lots of the ideas taken from it. It was taken yeah, and made 100%. fun and, and great. It's accessible to people. And it can be really tough. It is, you know, world stuff is modern. is awful. But I, I, yeah, okay, maybe 6 a.m. at world's toughest modern could be as tough as tough guy. Okay. But. Mm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Good stuff. So, I mean, had were you? Were you? It's been a while since I've seen it. Were you? Were you in Rise of the Sufferfest when they did the documentary? Where you covered some um, of it? I was there. I um, I was there when they were filming at some point. Okay, but I'm did not they, sure. Didn't they do a? It. Didn't they do a focus on Ghost Squad in there? Or am I confusing? Old yes, content? they did, and I can't because oh. I remember I, I met Scott and then I met him a few times at the event, and he loved it, and he's a great i really like scott he's a good guy and he made a good film but i'm not sure if i was part of that or if i joined the ghost squad afterwards and he was doing pickups at that point but gotcha gotcha yeah yeah if, if yeah. anyone's not familiar rise of the Subfest documentary came out let's say 2015 16 maybe yeah and uh covered a lot of the tough guy stuff and the competitive race there and just the, it's it's, it's the a good culture. way to get a more in-depth look into tough guy as well as ocr in general um, yeah it was it was a good film yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I I bought a copy when it when it came out uh, <laughs> when it dig, digitally came out, and then I remember being on a plane like uh, like a year later and seeing it as like one of the options as oh, for like awesome. film viewing, and I was like, no, that's really cool. Um, that is pretty quite, cool. I feel like it, it didn't quite get as I, I'm gonna guess that, pe- that not as many people bought it. Uh, I don't think that many people bought it. Like I, I don't know how it's much a money niche he spent. Film isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but unless unless you get something that just hits the public conscience or conscious um it, it, just in the right way it, it's going to be niche i think the concept behind it very well could have done very very well and yeah. i think it's a very well made film with an interesting subject i mean mr mouse yeah. who's not interested in mr mouse and plus some really interesting social commentary so yeah. it, the, it could have done very well why didn't i don't know I, yeah like the barclays marathon documentary um the race that eats their young like I feel like <laughs> everyone has seen that. Like I get as as someone who does ultras primarily, people are like, "When are you doing Barclays?" It's like I'm I'm not doing Barclays. <laughs> I specialize in obstacle course racing. That's ultra running, and it's also not even ultra running. It's it's, it's orienteering is what it is. But that's a different <laughs> subject. Anyway, I feel like everyone's seen that, and no one 
um, like no, I'm gonna use the term commoner, non non OCR person has seen Rise of the Sufferfest, which is yeah. unfortunate. It is unfortunate. They so. should. All right. Uh, all right. Tell me a little bit about Ghost Squad and how you all kind right. of, like who they are, <laughs> what they do, how you fell into that group. So the first year I did Tough Guy, which, as we've discussed, was hell. There was a point where I was stuck in mud, probably up to my thighs. We were only maybe half an hour in at that point, and I was really fed up. And I just kind of sat down in the mud. I was like, I can't do this. I can't get through. I'm cold. My kit was terrible. I'd made some few mistakes on my kit. And suddenly this guy just, as everyone does, yeah. And suddenly this guy appeared over me with a naked chest, quads like Hercules, (laughs) a face painted in black and red splatters, hair down to his chest. And he just kind of loomed over me and reached a hand down pulled me out and then galloped away not even wearing innovates or anything he was was wearing combat boots that were half undone and I was like who the heck is this fellow and that was it that's all I saw of him and then when I was writing up my course review which then went into one of the magazines in the UK and he read it and he was like yo that was me (laughs) and his name was Ed a guy called Ed Gamester and he was the guy who headed up the ghost squad so the idea of the ghost squad was it was kind of like a band of misfits and weirdos who would run around tough guy helping anyone who needed it the whole idea of tough guy it's not a race that is to be done alone and even if you win you could have help in fact mr mouse says nobody that's won has ever completed the course properly so you know it's not that straight on rules just try not to die basically Mm. um so helping people is very much encouraged and very much okay and necessary at times and he was he asked me if i wanted to join them they didn't have any women on them it was just a, a group of men and I was like, heck yes, it sounds awesome. So I started running with them. And it was kind of scary because the freezing cold. And I mean, I'm not going to be getting naked. Like, I'm not the kind of person who wears crop tops and shorts or anything like that. So I found my own stupid costumes, normally like a skeleton suit or something. And yeah, painted up, wild hair, running around, tough guy, helping people in any which way you can. Uh, whether it's giving them rum at the top of Tiger or pulling them up through, uh, oh gosh, what was the obstacle name? It had a very rude name. Maybe it's just Viagra, that's not rude. Um, you know, right right at the end, there's like a slippery slope that comes out of a pond with electric wires hanging down. You get to the top of that and then you run down another tiny hill and you're finished. But getting to the top of that hill, we would sometimes stand there. And it was wonderful. It was, it was a really great experience. And the whole event would be an experience. We'd get there like the day before. We'd drink rum in the barn the night before, get absolutely hammered sleep on the floor of the barn wake up freezing cold and then run around the event and yeah then sit in mr mouse's kitchen for a few hours enjoying ourselves and after that after a while we started to kind of spread to other events so we went to nuclear races which is still a big brand in the uk very good brand um the ocwc 2018 and 2019 was hosted by nuclear races and we did a bit there and that was good fun not as um it was, a, it was a different vibe to Tough Guy because we weren't needed. We were more entertainment, but it was just great. It was just ridiculousness mm. whilst actually being useful. And it was just stupid, you know, standing on the start line that Tough Guy, the start line of Tough Guy, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to tell you, is it's just one mass start line. And you can be talking a couple of thousand people. They start at the top of a hill and they just run everyone together all at once. There's no, no wave. There's one <laughs> wave. 11 a.m., 
best start time ever and you just set off and everyone runs and you know we'd sometimes stand at the start line banging drums setting off smoke grenades and then just be overwhelmed by a group of people and as they would run we would run and if we wanted to run together we would or we'd go off and run our own race and help people and yeah it was fantastic amazing and if, if anyone will include uh one of the pictures of the podcast post with <laughs> um some of the ghost squad images but if you don't if you don't know what they look like you know i'd say google them it's it's pretty interesting uh, attire and uh, fairly, <laughs> fairly. Some of them look like it's fairly in depth. It's quite a long. Uh, look like it would take you a couple of minutes to get ready there. <laughs> there was so little care taken to it though. Like we would literally stand in the barn. It was it was called it was a barn, with black and red poster paint, like nothing fancy, and just squeeze it onto our hands. Like I would just wipe black poster paint across my eyes and then stripe of red on my face. It burnt so much by the end of the day. My <laughs> skin was always red raw. But like if you made it too perfect, it would almost ruin it. Mm-hmm. Like you want to just be a messy mess and never look, never know what you're going to look like. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> All right. I love it. Loving it. Um, And then tough guy finish. When was the last year? What was it? 20 late 17-ish? Something like that. What was? It? Do you remember the last year off the top of your head? Um, I remember that. The last one I took part in, my daughter was six months old. So that would have been 2018. Okay. Because yeah. um, I, <laughs> I was still feeding her and then I had to take a break and go inside to the farmhouse and feed her. And my partner took a picture, just like a ghost covered in paint and mud feeding this tiny baby. <laughs> That's amazing. And it. <laughs> yeah. so I, I remember them announcing the last one. Mm. And then I, I, I could have sworn at some point they mm. they brought it back for a year. Yeah, so I don't know when the I can't remember off the top of my head when the last last one is was, but I mean I want to maybe it was 2019 that the final one was, but yeah they received a bit of stick for that rightly so because they did announce it would be the last ever tough guy, which was an event that was going since the 80s. But Mr. Mouse is Lauren to himself, and he decided he wanted to do it again, so he's going to do it again. And you know what? Everyone got annoyed because like, well, I only signed up because it was the last one. It's like, well, what does that say about human nature? If you wanted to mm. do it, you should have just done it. Yeah. Um, and actually, the, the one that was supposed to be the last one was a bit too full, you know, with everyone running at the same time, which is part of the hell of it. There were, there were a few too many people. So, yeah, they got a bit of stick and then they did finish for good, which is a shame. And I wish they'd come back, but it was a permanent course built out of wood. And I can guarantee you it would probably kill a lot of people now. <laughs> yeah they do require some upkeep and uh yes, so, they do. yeah <laughs> all right now i lo- love that i feel like we could probably end up talking about tough guy for most of the <laughs> and, and it is like it's the modern i mean it's the it's like obstacle running through obstacles has been part of i mean history for for a long time they, they mm. use it in military courses but like tough guy is the start of like modern OCR, right? And then yeah. uh, Tough Mudder and Spartan got a hold of the idea and mm-hmm. um, kind of took it took it to the next level. But uh, you know, Tough Guy absolutely is the kind of the reincarnate the the modern the modern start there. Yeah, it's what kind of brought it to the masses in terms of a, a public participation event. Yeah, and whilst you know it's not been replicated for. Yeah, I know really tough events exist, but you don't get as many people taking part in them. Um, but I love what Spartan and Tough Mudder did because without them doing it, I never would have found Tough Guy. It wasn't big enough. And right. I didn't have the life I had now. Every every single facet of my life has been impacted by that very first Spartan race. Yeah. With to, 
down to my child and my job and you know what I mean like everything is because of that so yeah I'm I'm good with what they did yeah I mean we wouldn't I I, I wouldn't have a podcast I wouldn't have an athletic career I mean it's mm. uh I mean I, I would I would still be racing but it wouldn't be obviously it wouldn't be obstacle course racing um mm. you needed uh, like him or hate Will Dean, uh, you needed him and you needed uh, Joe DeSena to come along to make sure ever make sure the rest of the world heard about heard about it. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's talk a little bit about state of OCR in general in UK slash Europe. So mm-hmm. uh, you can break down however you want. Maybe like pre, you know, you know, this tough guy, and then the next phase would be like, uh, you know. Um, Tough Mudder once Tough Mudder and Spartan popped on the scene, and then like COVID, and then post COVID, um, just kind of like take us take us through some of like some of the ups and downs, and kind of I know we talked about at the beginning like um, when you thought like the high point was, and uh, I'll, I'll jump in asking questions about um, you know podiums and payouts, and <laughs> but, you know just because they, in the US I feel like we've seen we've seen waves right where like for a couple mm-hmm. years it was like we're all over tv we're on espn we're on cbs we're on this one and then it was like we're on nbc sports and then it was like I, now we're on nothing but, but we mm-hmm. don't worry we still have prize money and then it's like oh no now, now we don't have prize money it's only in mm-hmm. like six races <laughs> across the u.s yeah, and I mean, like, so yeah give us a little history of um european <laughs> ocr and some of the brands etc and i'll like i said i'll jump in Let's see how well I do. Um, so like I said, I've never been an elite competitive athlete. Uh, I attempted it at one point, but I just wasn't good enough. <laughs> so in terms of prize money, I'm not going to really have the numbers in my head, but let's let's go. So yeah, so <clears throat> 2014, 2015, things really started to kick off. Uh, the UK has always been a fantastic country for obstacle course racing and enthusiastic obstacle course racing. It really, really helped that OCRWC started to exist. That was 2014, the first event. And I remember the buzz. I absolutely remember the buzz that year of watching it. There was, I think it was live tracking. Um, And not many athletes went out because it was, you know, a really elite event. But we were all watching it at home as much as we could and talking about it on social and being really excited. And um, that really helped to spur on the competitive side of OCR because people then wanted to qualify for 2015. And it was huge. I mean, I don't know what it was like in the US, but here it was the prestige over qualifying for it was incredible. You would get your T-shirt, you would get your email, people would go to events specifically to do it. And I think that really helped push it on. British people love to travel anyway, and they love to take part in things. So we don't need much of an excuse for OCR tourism. And if there is an opportunity to do it, we are absolutely going to do it. And we're going to make the biggest deal out of it we possibly can. So things started to get really busy. There were a lot of big brands around 2014, 2015. If I get it slightly wrong, I mean, let's say 2015. 2014, I only really knew about Spartan. Then 2015, yeah. Spartan, obviously, Tough Mudder, um, Nuclear, big player, Dirty Dozen, which was a really good brand, mm-hmm. Monster Race, Nuts Challenge, which is still going. Um, oh, God, and so many other brands that I just can't remember. And, and like I say, I was taking part in events most weekends. Let's say three weekends out of every month I was racing. All in the it UK. All in the UK. That's up and wild. down the country. All That's in the UK. Wild. There was so much going on. And... And it was good. There was good competition. The athletes were good. We had, I'd say we, that was our peak, um, 
peak competition as well. Some of the athletes we had back then, John Alban, Connor Hancock, James Appleton, Lucy mm. Martlew, Katie Keeble, Claire Miller. Oh, Rat Race, that was another one. Like there were really, really good athletes, which I think if you took, you know, like the whole Balboa film, if you took him in his prime and took these guys in their prime and put them together, what would happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be, I mean, John is still in his prime, isn't he? I mean, so that I, year was, I think he's still crushing. I I don't follow him that closely anymore. But I think I he just won the CCC, so yeah. um, <laughs> not, not surprised. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was big in terms of what was on offer, and it was big in terms of uptake, community, and excitement. Now, obviously, a core community isn't going to keep sports going, but there were a lot of people. You know that they were they were well sold and they were busy. I 2016, I was actually traveling and working a lot. I was out of the country most of the year, so there wasn't much racing going on for me. I did a lot of ghost squatting, uh, and I did a few events, but on the whole, I wasn't running much. And then things kind of started to slow down a bit. I had a baby in 2017. And then after that, like, still into OCR, obviously, because I really am now, but things just started to quiet down, and I think we'd had the peak already. And the mm. money just wasn't there for brands to be able to keep going. And I think a lot of people, which you probably saw in the US as well, saw what the entrance fee was for an OCR and thought, I can do that. Wow, I'd make so much money if I got this many thousand people mm-hmm. and I make this money, not realizing how much it costs to build a course and insure it and all of that. And actually, you know, if you if you want to make money, OCR is absolutely not the place to do it. Most of these things exist by the goodwill of others, not because there's any money involved. Um, and yeah, so things just started to, things just started to quiet down a bit. Um, and then COVID hit, (laughs) which killed so much. Yeah. I'd say, so 18 and 19 were good. I'm going to talk about OCRWC again. And I found that an easy way to recall back to what was going on. We had that in the UK those years and that was 18 and 19 were the first years I started working for OCRWC directly. I had been creating content for them, but that was when I worked the event. And it was busy. They were big events. Um, At Nuclear, we had a lot of European athletes. We had quite a lot of athletes from uh, the States and other Americas. It It was a good event. And hype was big for 2020. And, um... I don't know what would have happened to the market if that hadn't happened because people were still, you know, we were still booking races. We were still trying to do things. We were still trying to go everywhere and stuff just kept getting canceled. And then it felt like everyone was so excited to get things back to normal. But then when there was the opportunity to get it back to normal, it's like everyone had lost their drive to travel. Yeah. I feel like people, I feel like people found other things during COVID and they were like, well, the OCR was a thing of the past and they've moved on to whatever, right? I mean, literally anything. It could be a sport, it could be <laughs> could be knitting, like name <laughs> name the activity you do with your free time, you know? Um Yeah. And then so what what's I guess what's left in the UK? Like what brands are still putting on races? Spartan, Tough Matter, Nuclear, Nuts. Um okay. mm- they're the only ones that I really hear about. There are some others like Born Survivor, which is quite a small brand, Rough Runner, which is quite a small brand, but good fun. The ones that cater to the general public without being too tough do reasonably well. So Rough Runner is like an inflatable one. It's good fun. Yeah. Big one. It's nice. You still get a run. You still get to do obstacles, but it's it's accessible. It's not too scary. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah there's not a lot you've got a couple of races over the year and yeah yeah you have to but people want to do them i mean i i went out for dinner with a friend on saturday night she was supposed to be doing tough mudder in the northwest which is where we are next weekend and i was like oh you're doing it she's like no the charity i was doing it for couldn't get tickets i was like well that's not true is it i was like why didn't you tell me i would have helped you i could have done we need to do this and then the other girl was like yeah that's fun we should do it and i was like yes we should all do it together it's like people still (laughs) want to but there are barriers in the way that stop them committing. I don't know whether they think it's too difficult. They think it's too scary. It is quite expensive. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that is Like, that's true. I still want to do events. And I look at them, I'm like, I can't afford 120 quid on an event. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. But we need to charge that money because because they're so expensive to put on. Right. And I know, like, uh, so I've, I've been on the backside of the industry as far as, like, I, like I've seen what the way Conquer the Gauntlet puts on races and some other smaller brands, Mythic Race, and then I've see, also seen the what the staff Tough Mudder employs because uh, oh, I, I ran their Infinite Hero so Honor Challenge, and it is like exponentially more people. I mean, there was we were like Friday before uh, at Tough Mudder before Saturday's event, and they're like there was like fifty people at the pre-race meeting, yeah. and I was like, oh my goodness, it is and a you, lot of people. I've not quite wrapped my head around why yet. <laughs> I, I I think they're a little too robust. Um, it's yeah. just my personal opinion. And con- on the on the flip side, you have Conquer the Gauntlet, which the it's basically the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like the owners are out there building, and mm. they have a couple of like friends who are volunteering. And I mean, uh, like I want to say though, with OCRWC in the past, it will be different this year because we'll have Spartan on board. Right, Adrian himself is out on the course till it's gone dark. Last year, I was helping him set up barriers. He was like, go home, get something to eat. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm not going to bed until you go to bed. That's not fair. So, like, we have, in the past, run a really tight ship. It doesn't feel like it, and it doesn't look like it, but the people on the team work really, really hard. Well, they work incredibly it's, hard. It's, they, they work incredibly hard, and they do a wonderful job, but that's the only way you can really make any money. And yeah. when you're a small company that can't hide losses elsewhere, if you make a loss on the one event you run, well, then you're making a loss. Right. You can't make a loss on one and and, and make a gain elsewhere because there is no elsewhere. Right. But I think that's good business, and I like that. So, meh. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, this the staff I, again. I I've never worked like build for OCRWC, but I've got I'm friends with several of the people who have. You know, sometimes mm. they work a year or two. Sometimes even. And I, I remember it was 2017. I remember seeing Marco uh, Bedard <laughs> in in the uh, restaurant like getting breakfast. And I was like, "Hey, Mark, how's it going?" And he just like shakes his head, and I was like, "You're right." He's like, "He's like, I literally just finished putting together an obstacle ten minutes ago," and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like the first wave goes off in like an hour. Yeah, you the build I mean? crew works so hard. <laughs> but at the, and they do a brilliant job, and you know, this they, year will be different because it's going to be a much bigger crew, and we're going to have a shorter time, and it's going to be weird. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what what works better, but. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I do want to get into uh, some OCRWC stuff. Mm. Um, any any other final thoughts on uh, state of UK OCR before we kind of switch topics to OCR? Well, it's kind of tricky. I mean, we didn't talk about Europe at all, and the, they do kind of go hand in hand. And I think at the minute, the European scene is absolutely thriving. Um there are a lot of races happening in Europe and it helps because traveling from the UK to Europe is expensive. Traveling within Europe is not as expensive. Mm. There are, yeah, there are, there's, there's 
Denmark, for example, constantly has small races going on. And perhaps we need to look at these small brands coming back and putting on less serious races just for people to take part rather than looking at giant businesses. The state of OCR in Europe, I'd say, is pretty darn healthy. Yeah. It's developed in Italy, Switzerland and France a lot more than it used to be. When I when I was younger, yeah. um, there were very few, there weren't really any races in Italy. I'm half Italian. I would love to have gone and race in Italy, Switzerland. I always wanted to race in Switzerland. Couldn't I? Did do a beast in Marseille in France, and it was awful. It was so hard. It was great, um, but now there's just a lot more. Yeah, there's the Italian series, the uh, French series, and and you know what? I would kill to get some of those athletes over to OCRWC because people like Esther. Um, I mean, she would just kill it out on that course. So I, I think Europe is doing really well and is strong. The UK has lost it a bit, and I don't know how we bring that back. You know, even smaller races that are like, quote unquote, less serious. I mean, it only takes a couple of people and all of a sudden the field the field is very competitive. Like I've done well, some races, like, a race is a race, isn't it? Right. It doesn't really I, matter what's there. People are competing against each other. I've done some little, little like podunk races here in the middle of the United States. <laughs> and like, sometimes my, t- my teammates are, who are all fast. Most of them are faster than me at your course. They'll be like, Oh cool. Yeah. We're coming too. And I'd be like, son of a, and all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I'm going you for a nice podium away. <laughs> and now it's like, it's an all out. I mean, it, it was brutal. Like, I mean, we're, we're running each other into the ground. Cause it, it just takes three people yeah. and then you've got a, you know, for with Five. four people, you're 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 struggling to get on the podium, right? Absolutely. So, um, all right, so let's switch over to OCRWC talk. So all for right. for some of our people that may not be tracking, uh, kind of what's changed in OCRWC as far as like backside ownership type stuff in the last year? Just kind of give us a quick update, and then we'll talk about upcoming uh, the upcoming event. So currently, ownership wise, nothing has changed. Um, OCRWC is still owned by Adventury, uh, which is owned by Adrian and other people. And they're the people who started up OCRWC. However, what is different this year is the partnership with Spartan. This has ruffled a lot of feathers, understandably, because people don't want to see changes that Spartan might be bringing in. And the way we've tried to explain it is we have partnered with events in the past. For example, nuclear races, was our host and partner for 2018-2019. And there have been other events. We've done other events around the world where we've partnered with races. I I don't know what the future plans are with Spartan, whether this will be a multi-year thing or whether it's just a one-off partnership. I I can't comment on that. But currently, nothing has changed in the ownership. However, the race is kind of being heavily... I don't want to say it's hosted by Spartan because it's not being hosted by Spartan. It's not the same thing as nuclear. But we are working very, very closely with Spartan and taking on a lot of their processes, still keeping a lot of hours to keep the race and the event what it is. We're quite certain on the racer experience. You know, our hashtag has always been athletes first. And there are some things that we are just not going to change. We are not going to change the mandatory uh, completion and the one band system, which I and many other people will agree is the best system. Agree, 100% agree. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. Rachel Ann, who is a huge part of the race experience, she's still there. She's still the one answering your email. She'll still be there on event weekend doing everything. There are going to be some changes in terms of some staffing, but those kind of things do change year to year anyway. Yeah. Hopefully, aside from perhaps some Spartan branding, you know, we might get some Spartan obstacles in. We're, we're trying to get different race brand obstacles in like we did back in the day. 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully, apart from that, nobody would really know that it's going to be a, a partnership with Spartan. There shouldn't be any huge changes within the brand. The race director is Garfield Griffith. He has been an OCRWC race director in the past, so he worked with us before he was with Spartan, so he knows the brand very well. So I can see it's kind of scary, and mm-hmm. it certainly has changed the way we work behind the scenes. You know, we've gone from a very small team to a very big team and learning Spartan's processes here. But in terms of the event that's going to be delivered, I would hope you shouldn't really tell. Everything should run the same. You know, registration process, the way the, the events are, the, the the auxiliary events we put on over the weekend should all should all be pretty much the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great to hear. You know, there was a saying we've, we've, for those who are like still concerned, I will, I will say we, we, as an OCR and we've been through this before, right? The Spartan bought Tough Mudder and Uh when Tough Mudder relaunched, people were like, no, there's going to be like burpees and blah. And and it was exactly the same, right? Like um, Joe DeSena, fairly intelligent businessman, right? I mean, he's, (laughs) He's basically the the last uh, major brand standing at this point. Um, mm. You know, he I think he knows what's when he's got a, a valuable product and he's not going to modify it, right? Or yeah, we're talking brands within much. a brand. Yeah, they yeah. the brands are worth something because of what they were. There would be no point from a business point of view to take three successful brands and turn them into one. Aside Correct. from anything else, you lose over fifty percent of your client base if you do that. And then there's no competition. And you might say, well, Spartan and Tough Mudder are the same company, so where's the competition? People don't know that there still is competition. You know, it's not Correct. just one brand. Yeah. And 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 they fulfill different needs for people. Agreed. They really do. You know, one doesn't rip off the other. Joe did a, a really great thing when he developed Spartan to create something completely different from Tough Mudder. Now, I have some pretty strong feelings about other brands in the world um, that run championships. <laughs> and some of them, uh, do not have any originality and say, what can we do that's completely different? They just try and replicate a brand that already exists. And Joe is smarter than that, and he didn't do that. And so for him to then change the brands he acquires, like Tough Mudder and OCRW, well, he's not acquired OCRWC, he's partnered with them, but to try and influence change and make them more like Spartan would be an absolute fool's game. Now, yeah. there might be some times when that might happen, but I think it's going to be a pretty big... Uh, prerogative on our side to maintain the feel of the OCRWC brand because ultimately, whilst the race itself is brilliant and the obstacles are brilliant, I I think it's the race weekend experience which is what brings people back and it's unlike any other event out there. Yeah, yeah. Agree. Agree with all everything you just said. That was <laughs> spot on including including the other championships comment mm. which i've talked about on this podcast before and expressed mm. this pleasure um so uh people who i think that was a uh, the rachel waters it was one of the rachel waters episode i had on earlier this year uh, anyway i went off on a tangent <laughs> i've got some heartburn there uh, it's but, tricky yeah. it's not something i can talk about really on the ocrwc podcast because the whole point of that podcast is not to promote ocrwc it's to talk about brands and athletes yeah. and i get people on who have done every type of brand and i'm interested in getting to know the athlete and it helps me greatly as well to know what's going on but it's not about self-promotion mm. however i have to be careful what i say um and maybe i should still be careful but you know just slightly <laughs> less careful than usual 
<laughs> yeah. I, I I mean I think I think at the end the the products and the experience will will speak for themselves, right? I mean, um, mm. I've been to OCRWC a, I don't know how many times at this point, but it, and I've been to a whole bunch of I've been to the US championships the one year they did it and I've been to the North American championships the a couple years they did it and it was uh yeah, it's just it's just unlike any other weekend in the sport. Mm. I mean, there there's been brands that have tried to replicate with like multiple events in the weekend, but the the feeling and the the passion you get of like mm-hmm. that many people who are interested and willing to travel great distances to come mm-hmm. compete. It's, you know, it's unlike anything else in the world. And then the obstacles are just phenomenal, right? They're- oh, they are. And it's a fantastic course. And, you know, the the um, marshals are all brilliant. The volunteers are all brilliant. It's a fantastic weekend of just absolute joy. And I sound so over the top when I talk about it, but I, I sometimes get in trouble because I don't really hide my feelings but if i say something positive i mean it um and i can go really really heavy on how much how good i feel about something in the same way that if i feel negative about something if i'm allowed to i'll say it and sometimes i think i probably sound like i'm putting it on or it's you know marketing spiel it's not there's a reason why i wanted to work with that brand i wouldn't work with a brand that i didn't love i just couldn't do it i couldn't have the passion and love for it if i didn't and there's something adrian and you know, his team around him have created something incredible. And that comes down to the people who have made it. And they are great people. And they built that way before I came along. So when I say that, I'm not talking about myself. And honestly, I feel so lucky to be part of it. It's it's just so much fun. It's so lovely. It just fills me with so much happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I unfortunately will not be there this year. I got to work uh, during that time frame. And I can't quite what? get that weekend out. Yeah, I got to work. It's actually, I kind of enjoy, uh, I, we got like a course going on. I'm actually, I enjoy, it, it's not not that big of a, um, normally work is, is not fun, but that actually, I should actually be having fun that during that period, but. Fine, uh, but still, you need to. Next year, next, next year, maybe. So we'll see. <laughs> so. Uh, all right. Any, anything else we need to talk about OCRWC wise? Um teasers when, when's the when's the build start so people can have an idea when to start expecting like the teaser obstacles as they get put up so this is media. one of the changes that's happening with spartan the ocrwc build in the past the crew was quite small and the build was long but the build's going to be a lot shorter this year um and it's going to go up faster with a bigger team it's going to be interesting because mm. they're not spartan obstacles so uh, it scares me a little bit i'm like you've got good instructions (laughs) but what it does mean and from what i've seen of spartan events is things do tend to be ready in good time which means we should be seeing the teaser obstacles around the same time that we normally see them because you have a team on each obstacle and getting it done and built gotcha so yeah i would i would kind of expect that around the same kind of timing that we normally see things and then i will hopefully be there from like the Monday onwards, giving talk course previews, going around, seeing things, answering any questions people have. And yeah, basically making anyone who decided that the trip to Mammoth was just too far and too mm. much feel really, really gutted that they didn't do it because it's going to be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's always FOMO when you skip out on OCRWC. When oh, I'm do you there, know what? Wh- there's a really good way to avoid FOMO. You, you show up, yeah. You show up, yeah. and then you don't have to go, ah, oh, dang it. I mean, I know like a lot of people have had concerns about the elevation and the distance, but I'll tell you, I was looking at flights. I've not actually got my flights booked yet. I was looking at flights this afternoon, 
I can fly from Manchester, which is where I live, to LAX via Heathrow. It takes 14 hours and it costs 500 pounds. That's cheaper than most interstate flights. And that is, is, it's no more than it was, you know, it's the flight is a few hours longer than it was to Stratton and the drive is almost the same. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. There's elevation. Okay. I'm going to have loads of nosebleeds. I'll probably faint, but you know what? That's what we do. You know? That's exactly what we do. Too easy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, f- I feel like there's been, I don't know whether it's the Spartan thing, but I feel like there are a few people I just want to shake and be like, no, it's still good fun. Take part in it. I know it's in a different place, but that's wonderful. It, Look what you get to explore. It's this, it's the same every anytime you change anything, there's you have a, a very loud uh minority who who will complain. Be like, what? Why do we change? And it's like, well, because it's not no longer convenient for you. It's now convenient for someone else. Like anytime you change <laughs> locations, you've now taken away driving options from a whole bunch of people, but you've mm. given driving options to a whole bunch of new new people, uh-huh. right? When and you we've move never it across... been that far west. Yeah, like, when we, you... we've never done it. Correct. Now there's a whole market, including Asia and including a lot of South America. Like we, we we've always had a good South American contingent, but this year it's really good. Plus West Coast, we've not, West you know, Coast, right. it's, they're getting a really good chance to come. And it's tricky, isn't it? Ideally, we would have events all around the world all year long, but um, we'd, you know, yeah. probably never sleep if that happens. Yeah, <laughs> never sleep. Most of the staff runs, this is not their full-time job. It's uh, mm. second, second or third jobs for some people. So. Well, it's kind of crazy and it sounds unprofessional saying that, but. I think it's kind of a testament to the people who work there and how hard they work. You know, if you if you send a message on social, you're getting a response within 10 minutes. And that's just because there's a couple of us who are checking it constantly. Rachel Ann does work for us full time. Um, it is her job and her job is specifically to answer people. But, but it is run by a group of people that really, really, really want to build a great event. Adrian always says his his goal is to create incredible moments for people. Like that is literally it. And I love seeing it at the end of the weekend when we have the closing party and he's just kind of looking at everyone enjoying themselves and just you and you can see that's the moment for him where he's like everything went okay. Nobody got hurt. The course was marked properly. There were enough medals or enough t-shirts. Everyone's happy and then I can he can enjoy what's going on. And it's it's just there's so much pleasure there <laughs> yeah oh good stuff yeah <laughs> check out ocwc if you haven't been obviously um and if you have been this is a new location so it'll be a different experience so it will. yeah i i've never gone to ocwc or an adventure event and been like nah you know i definitely should have stayed home this weekend that was <laughs> That was a bad decision like that it's this ridiculous and and my my one piece of advice for anyone who's traveling is do the team event. I oh, yes. have the most fun I do all weekend during the team event. It's just it's just a it's just a great time. There's because you're cheering for each other, you get to run with each other. Um, like two of the years we did it, it was raining and it mm. was hysterical. I mean, people are just like eating it down the mountain. Um, it was it was amazing. So shall I tell you the only OCRWC event I've ever run was the team event. Oh, I've really? never actually taken part in any other OCRWC event. I've mm-hmm. worked them. Um, and I love OCR. It's just the first year I went was 2016, and I kind of decided last minute to go. Um, I managed to find an apartment, and I took my running kit just in case. And then I went on a team with a guy called James Rockley and Brian, who does the finish line. 
and uh yeah they took it really seriously and i messed it up for everyone Aww. but it's really good fun <laughs> it was a really good event and then the year after i had a newborn and then after that i was working so i've never had a chance but i really want to just like make everyone do the charity event but we can't because we're still working <laughs> so it, it's, it's a bit of a bummer not being able to take part but i do just i spend a lot of the day out filming people and getting clips to use throughout the year and just seeing the emotions that people go through and seeing you know the 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 hard times the good times the difficulty the enjoyment and and how much satisfaction people get when they cross that line we we focus on the elites a lot we can't focus on everyone and it's a criticism we get and i 100 percent agree with that there's not enough focus on people other than the elites and i i do try but the joy is that it's with every single person who takes part. It absolutely is. And there's so many of them who put their absolute heart and soul in. And we love them. We love those people. We love the ones that are having fun and are really working hard. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Any, any final, uh, before we kind of start close, wrapping things up, predictions or predictions for the future of OCR or things that like, as someone who's been involved in the industry a long time, things that you would like to see change. And like, obviously like getting more people at events. Yes. Like that, that's always good. Right. Cause it's it, the raising tide rides, uh, raises all ships that type mm. thing. Right. But um, any predictions or like, man, I really wish a brand would do X, Y, or Z to, um, you know, in terms of what's happening within the, within the sport, I think we're going through a period of change. Um, Spartan are constantly developing, and I think that's good. Um, I think, you know, they are building on the brand. Europe's doing something slightly different from the US in terms of, say, the elite series. It's, you know, we have the teams here, It's which are sponsored teams. It's, it's very different. So the different markets are trying out different things. So I think we're in a period of transition where the sport is trying to find something that's sustainable. And I think ultimately, and this is something that I've been banging my head against a wall for years, is we, both brands and athletes, need to focus more on partnerships over prize money and participation. Prize money is good and it should exist for athletes, but it's much more a European thing that athletes are sponsored and they get paid for showing up <laughs> or, you know, representing a brand. Therefore, it makes sense for them to show up rather than to show up because there'll be a big check at the end of it. The check is a bonus mm. and you push yourself hard because you get better sponsorship if you push yourself hard. But in the US, it doesn't seem to be that that sponsorship exists so much with athletes. I'm very interested in the media side of things. I have been for a long time. I don't personally have any interest in taking it to a television platform. I don't think that's necessarily the way to go, because especially when you do do that, you lose all commercial rights and advertising rights. And if a brand is going to make a lot of money through partnerships, it wants to be controlling the media, I think. So I think we that's what we need to be looking at overall. Uh, from everyone who takes part and we need to start working that more into our communications and our partnerships between ourselves our athletes and our brands to help fund the sport because ultimately everything runs on advertisement everything mm -hmm. runs on advertisement that's why tv programs are made so that you can advertise things in the break not to entertain people it's to make you know what i mean like the prime spots of the better programs and that's how the sport keeps going so it's going to be a bit of a, a conversation between format, branding and media to create a package that allows this to continue and allows for people to carry on. And then perhaps it is a, a, a case of there are smaller brands that allow it to exist for 
the everyday person who wants to have fun because I was the everyday person and it's something I think everyone should take part in. Uh, in regards to the news that came out this week about um, pentathlon and the Olympics, I hate that. I <laughs> do not understand it. I I get quite irritated at the OCR athletes who get excited about it being in the Olympics because I do just want to say you do realize you're not going to be in the Olympics, don't you? It's pentathletes are going to just learn how to do a few obstacles. You're you're not you're not going to the Olympics. This isn't what it is. And but that happening also doesn't mean that the brand has to become that one thing either. That is one aspect of OCR that some guy has decided to monopolize and sell. And that's fine. He can do that, but that doesn't need to monopolize the whole industry. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it will do any good for the industry. And I can see why people want to do it, but I am more about what is better in the big picture. And 20 years time, I might be totally wrong, but uh, you know, I'll just, I won't admit it. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's my two cents. I have no excitement over that whatsoever. And I'm confused as to why anyone does. Um, love, love everything you just said. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna touch on each one real quick. Um, so the first one, uh, sponsorship stuff. So my, um, one of my friends, Amin Dib, who owns Hannibal Race, in uh, they put on a bunch of events in the Middle East. They, when they get their price point for entering the race, I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but the price, the entry point for the participant is low. Mm. It's the sponsors of the event, and he'll have like. They'll have like 30, 40 like big name sponsors, Ram trucks and, you know, like travel companies and, you know, the local what like the like big companies that are sponsoring mm. the event. Um, and that to me, again, I don't know the financials on the backside of the industry. That's how what it looks like from the outside. That's how they make a lot of their. Uh, but how much sense business. does that make if you yeah. can say to a brand, hey, look, we're going to collect 3000 people this weekend. Uh, we're going to show off your branding to them in a way that will be subtle, but will get into their minds. If it's a brand that's a nutrition brand or everything, you can you can give your product to them. You can sell your product, whatever. You don't limit the people that are going to be at the event by making it too expensive to get there. Yeah. You bring them in through the doors uh, and you put it out on a plate. It's, it sounds mercenary and it sounds depressing, but that's how everyone wins. It's free advertising for people. It's not free because they have to pay, but it's yeah. very, very big reach advertising for people. A brand gets to exist and people get to do it. So yeah, yeah, so that makes good sense to me. And he, he's also, he's well-connected in the uh, Middle East, even in like the, on the TV. He's, he's got like a, he's a TV personality. I think I know him. As well. Yeah. I know the guy. Yeah. He's I, nice. I, I like him. I was I was uh, touring him and Badri, one of the other race owners around OCWC last year. Yes, in, uh, I met with them and we had yeah. a drink. Yeah, they're nice yeah. guys. I really liked them. Great. Um, and then for as an athlete, um, I I don't win the biggest prize monies. I, the right my <laughs> my biggest prize money win was a thousand dollars. I I win a couple hundred dollars here and there though. Uh, nice. But the most benefit I've gotten out of OCR is as an athlete is through sponsorships uh -huh. that includes i've received a lot more money from sponsorships and i've received a lot more money a lot more product and stuff that i would normally pay for that essentially is as good as money to me because i don't get taxed on some of the product stuff right so <laughs> I, I get a you know that's how as an athlete i've uh maintained a sustainable presence in the sport and then on top uh -huh. of that obviously producing content and stuff like that um yeah. 
Speaking of producing content, and since we're talking about sponsorship, my newest book is coming out in the next couple of months called The Sponsored <laughs> Athlete. I cover a lot of the techniques I use to, uh, you know, get product and make money or reduce costs in the sport. Um, so, and I've done it without having millions of social media followers. Like I don't have the biggest social media following. So um, it is, it is possible. And if not to make money, just to reduce costs so you can do what you love for a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, uh, no, go, uh, go for it. I'm just saying, yes, I agree okay. with you. <laughs> uh, two t- TV, your comment on TV. Also agree with that. The name, another endurance sport that's on TV. Like mm-hmm. the only one that actually has a good following is tour de France, which I, is like an anomaly. Um, it's just so bizarre that that is, is gets so much coverage, but like mm-hmm. all, like r- all the other endurance sports, like no one cares. Um, and it, it, because it's hard to film, it's hard to cover. Um, it's not super interesting to watch. Uh, I would say OCR is already on TV in sustainable format. It's called Ninja Warrior. That's, that's yes. my opinion. Agreed. Right. Just because you've with Ninja Warrior, we've just reduced the running to essentially 10 feet, which is the length yeah. between obstacles. So yeah. That's the sustainable uh, TV format. You know, we they've tried a whole bunch of different TV shows: Million Dollar Mile, Broken Skull Ranch. Uh, uh, Brett Stewart. Brett had the OCR Warrior YouTube show for a while, right? Like we've had, we've tried it a couple of different we've times. The Toughest Mudder, Spartan Race. I don't think it's. I just don't think it's good. The thing is, people watch things for two reasons. When it comes to sport, it's either because they do the sport and they yeah. love it. Um, you know, whether it's football and soccer or whatever, you know, they just they have that massive interest in the sport, but normally comes from a background of having done it, which we don't have the people who do OCR or it's personality based. Yeah. And we don't have that either. Like yeah, we, we but, do need to work on that. Like we, we do need some more personalities. I'm not saying the people in OCR aren't nice or wonderful. I I really like the athletes a lot, but. There's a big difference between being a good athlete, a good person, intelligent, kind, clever, and being TV fodder. And I I'm, agree. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. You don't want to be TV fodder. That's not a compliment. That just means <laughs> you create yeah. great entertainment. But entertainment also isn't a compliment. So when I say we don't yeah. have the personalities, I'm not saying OCR is full of wet fish. I'm saying it's just it's not that. It doesn't have that type of people in it, which is one of the things that makes it nice. I agree, so it's yeah. difficult. Um, if you want to see, if you if you if you watch UFC, a lot of those, a lot of the mm. person, those person, those are personalities, right? And they're not necessarily good people, um, but they do they do bring in numbers, right? So, exactly. Yeah. Um, or you have to be someone really special, like Roger Federer, who everyone just adores. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like he's he's an out and out gentleman who just is a wonderful person and plays tennis beautifully. But yeah, it's it's difficult. It's it's a very very difficult thing to achieve to do that and be good, as in a good human. And, yeah. and I don't want to see any of our athletes do that, to be honest. Yeah. And then last one, the Olympics comment. Also agree with that. <laughs> um, I think I think modern to me modern pentathlon is is struggling. Like, who do you know that does pentathlon? I don't know. I've never met a person. In Siri my England 40 years. is the only person that I know. Okay. And she was an OCR athlete. And I do wonder if she's come out of retirement with some kind of deal with uh, World Obstacle because she suddenly kind of appeared back on the scene. Mm. And when I looked at her profile, I was like, oh, pentathlon. I mean, it sounds like a brilliant sport. I'm, I'm, you know, anti-animal cruelty. So the horse riding, yeah, was a bit sucky. But in general, it sounded like a really fun sport. But now it's running, shooting, running and shooting and swimming. 
Yeah, I think I think they're dying and they're they're trying to figure out what they're they're trying to grasp onto something, and then you have someone who's trying to grasp sneak in something. sneak in OCR under another name. And uh, again, I've I've argued the point that OCRs. I think OCR is technically already in the Olympics. If we want to get really technical about it, it's called steeplechase. Just because there's the obstacles are hurdles and they're not very exciting. There's a water pit in there. Um, yeah, uh, but I, right. I would argue OCR is already in the Olympics. It's called steeplechase. And then to me, if you really wanted to do OCR in the Olympics, you basically just put obstacles on the side of the track, right? So oh, just yeah. like steeplechase. In my mind, an, an obstacle course that's an Olympic event is a track event. Correct. With- and it's a military track event, basically. If you think bottom field from the Marines, if if you know what that is or if you don't, where it's, and, you, and you make that into a race, and it doesn't even have to be running, but it doesn't have to be ninja either. It just has to be soul-crushing obstacles around Correct. the track. Yeah. Um, yep. And you can you can standardize that if you want to. You can, you can yeah, find you ways have to, to standardize to compare that. times and qualify well, yes. and stuff. Yeah. But, um, but it's not... <sighs> I don't think what's being done is being done intelligently or creatively or with the greatest scope of what could happen. And the problem is, if you screw something up publicly, you don't get many more chances. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's see. a lot of so again, I I've, I've I train in some combat sports, and some of the uh, push for the Olympics and some of the ones that have gone to the Olympics sometimes it ruins the sport because everyone yeah. hard pivots to focus on the Olympics, and it yeah. takes away from this thing that made the sport great. Um, so like judo is every, judo and taekwondo are like 100 everyone focused on the, like an olympic rule set because that's what it is it it lost a lot of its like practical i mean there's still parts of it practical but it lost a lot of the like the mm. purpose that it was originally created um with triathlon they've managed they've they've seemed to do done okay with like like you were talking about like sep- separating you know here's sprint triathlon um here's olympic triathlon distance this is mm. its own thing and then on the side we have iron distance and half iron which uh, kind of attracts a slightly different crowd, so mm. it, it can be done. Um, but that's taken time, and it does and take time. People don't want time. <laughs> people want answers very quickly, and and I mean, I know I sound annoyed about it. I am annoyed about it, but they kind of get annoyed that they're not getting more of what they want. I just don't know what it's going to do to the sport. Um, All right, we're going to start wrapping things up. Before I get going, I like to ask people <laughs> tell us something people would be surprised to know about you so it could be the more random the better um, oh some things people would be surprised to know about me um okay i have had several um incarnations throughout my career i originally trained as a textile and fashion designer and currently um i am retraining to become a psychotherapist oh interesting <laughs> That is the long-term life goal when I can no longer do OCR. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I I had basically one job as a, at the end of high school where I was like a I worked at a as a waiter at a uh, catering hall for a couple months, and then I basically joined the army. So that's been I my really. Career. I wanted to join the military. You know, my mum wouldn't let me so. um, when I was like seventeen, and that was when the whole Afghanistan stuff was going mm. on, or Iraq. I don't remember. And then probably about six months ago, I was going to join the territorial, the army reserves, as they're now called. And I was on the phone to Adrian as I was doing it, and he was like, "No, you are not allowed to do that." I was like, well, "Why?" He was like, "Evelyn, I've got a six-year-old," and I was like, "Oh yeah, that." So I would have loved to do the military. Um, and it's kind of one of my regrets that it didn't happen. But, you know, the people in charge said no. Uh, but that's that's pretty cool. And it explains why you're in OCR. I just yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, the I, I don't know if the UK military is like an American military right now, but our recruiting is like atrocious right now. So the the bonuses are are pretty substantial. Really, um, not well, to like try. To I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to like persuade you to join the military. I'm just letting you know what the state of at least military u.s military statuses i do find the difference between u.s military and well i won't keep you long but i find it interesting u.s military and uk military quite different because there are bonuses within the u.s military like healthcare, but we yeah. we all get that for free here anyway uh, um, yeah. <laughs> and then um the the whole attitude towards military like anyone i know in the military in the uk is just like oh you're in the military cool that's your job awesome hope you enjoy it whereas in the u.s it's kind of a big whole uh there's a lot more i'm not saying there's not respect for the uk people in the military in the uk but it's still just a job that people choose to do mm. so it's, it's strange it seems like such a bigger thing there whereas here it's just like join the military yeah sure oh interesting that's interesting mm. yeah that's and then if people cool. want to find out what my next job is just keep listening to the podcast i retire in just over a year at this point or oh, about really a- and you know what you're going to be doing I do know what I'm going to be doing. I haven't, really, I haven't really started sharing it with pu- publicly with many people yet. So okay. well, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, final shout out you want to give friends, family, sponsors, brands, major things we didn't cover already. No. Or let you go. <laughs> um, yeah. I just obviously OCRWC is the the brand that i'm most aligned with in terms of ocr i hope so many people are going to come and have fun it's 30 days out currently when this comes out i'm not sure but if you can't stay tuned on socials we will be covering it if you are going to come we're going to have lots of fun things in the evenings going on so keep your eyes peeled i'm going to be hosting a night again like i did last year which is going to be a lot of fun so please come and have fun with me and also i want to give a massive shout out to another brand which i love which is the ocr report who i work with quite closely in terms of coverage they kind of um I always like this line from Clueless to say when somebody took a chance. They took a chance on an unknown kid. Like I was just some random weirdo stranger to them. And they're like, yeah, let's let's have a go. And I've kind of been accepted into the fold and take part in a lot and work with them. And it's a really great group of people. So anyone wants to help them, they have a Patreon. So they are the OCR report. I should know what it is, but they provide as far as I'm concerned, some of the best coverage in the industry. And that again is done from people's really really hard work on the side so yep. yeah they're doing they're doing a lot of good work um in keeping ocr alive so shout out to them yeah definitely appreciate that i've i've i haven't i don't think i've written from i haven't written much for them this year uh i was writing for them a little more last year i've just been it's been a bit of a busy year for me so uh hopefully i'll pick it up a little a little bit again in 2024 sure, we need to see your names back next year the yeah. ocrwc blog is full of your articles which are really yeah. useful yeah, I need, I need to start writing about. for them again too. <laughs> I didn't write much this year. It's just been a, it's been a little bit of a hectic year for me. This year has been the fastest year I think I've ever lived so, in. So it's it's uh, flown. So don't blame you. So for any of our listeners, head over to teamstrengthspeed.com. By the time this publishes, the new website may be up. They delayed the changeover by a couple of days, so it may be up now or maybe up uh, coming soon. But you can go over and check that out. Again, we have uh, the new website. We'll have a store for shipping in the U.S. and a different one for shipping internationally. Long story, website hosting issues, but it's two different stores. There's a link on both of them for to take you there. Uh, we do have Blegmits in stock, Extreme and Lights. If anyone's going to OCWC and wants Blegmits, I will not be there selling them this year like I have been in the last couple of years. So you can go to the website, you can order them and have them shipped to someplace in the US. And uh, if any of our international listeners, right, they can 
essentially pick them up there if they uh if they find someone who's going and has a u.s address we can sh- we can ship it to so um and then my documentary is up on there as well uh ultra ocr man 10 bucks 24 minute documentary shot by bobby ross uh please check that out like we were talking about with the Rise of the Surface, a lot of the videos are expensive and timely to make, and uh, the return on investment is not quite there completely, uh, but it is it was a passion project largely, so please check that out. 24-minute movie, cover some of the ultra OCR charity events I've done, and then, uh, yeah, my books are also available on teamstrengthspeed.com. All right, we're going to take off. Fran, thanks again for coming on. Loved your insight, and um, yeah, we'll Thank catch so up with you later. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so-